As the George Floyd protests took off in late May and companies started issuing public statements in solidarity with the protesters, one company put up a post on Instagram. It showed the word racism in white letters and a bold red line crossing it out. It came from Adidas. An Instagram post might seem pretty innocuous, but inside Adidas, the company's public stance triggered a reaction. It was a really big disconnect. I guess that's the best word for it. Because it's like, you can't cross out racism. It's here. It's evident. You can only choose to actively dismantle it, right? And to see that, you know, lukewarm response from my brand was super disheartening. For some employees of color, what Adidas was saying publicly didn't match their view of what it was actually like working there. I felt that it was, in a way, the company trying to paint a picture of itself that is not what I see from the inside and not what I have experienced on the inside. Now, employees are speaking out publicly. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, June 24th. Coming up on the show, why Adidas employees are calling out the company's approach to race. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Adidas is the largest sportswear retailer in the world, after Nike. Its logo, the three stripes, is one of the most recognizable brands around. Our colleague Khadija Saftar covers retail, and she says that over the years, there's been one key group of people who have helped make Adidas so famous. It has really leaned on Black culture in the last couple decades to market its products. It uses Black sports stars and sells sneakers using Black influencers. This link with Black culture goes back decades. In the 1980s, the rap group Run DMC made a song about the sneakers. These days, Adidas has deals with musicians like Pharrell Williams, Kanye West, and Beyonce, and athletes like NBA player James Harden. Come on, Harden. What if I was on defense? Oh, no offense. You want me to put my game in the box? It's really important for Adidas gear and sneakers to be worn by the Black artists, by the Black sports stars. The Black community is very important to Adidas. But dozens of employees are saying that the external image of Adidas as a company that's in tune with Black culture isn't reflected inside the company. Starting with its leadership, Adidas is a German company. That's where its head office is and where most of its top leadership is from. The company doesn't have any Black members on its executive team or board of directors. When Julia Bond started working as an assistant designer at the company's North American headquarters in Portland, Oregon last year, she noticed almost immediately that people inside Adidas didn't look like the people in its ads. I joked about it at the time, like with my coworker. I remember sitting at my desk and I like laughed. I was like, well, I'm the only black person here. And she was like, ha ha ha. She's like, but wait, really, you, you are the only black person. And then we started to talk about it. And she was like, wait, I think you're... I think you're the only black female across, like, apparel designer across all categories here. 
Wow. And that, that was really isolating. I was like, well, wow, I guess I am the only black female that's designing apparel in Portland for Adidas, right? And I was like, that was really, that was a dark day, (laughs) I would say, because it was very like, wow, okay, I know we're out there, right? I know there's black female apparel designers out there, but like, where, where are we? I would notice it a lot more after I had said it out loud. I would be in meetings and I would look and I'd be like, yep, still just me. Then, one day last summer, only a couple months after she became a full-time employee, something happened that made Julia feel even more isolated at work. The Adidas creative directors had sent inspiration packets to design teams all across the company. These packets were full of images, images that were supposed to serve as a conceptual starting point for the next season's collection. The images were also hung up on a wall so that designers could be constantly thinking about them. And that's when an intern on Julia's team came over to talk about one of the pictures. She had come down to our area and she was like, hey, did you guys see the Confederate flag on the wall? And I was like, what? I was like, are you sure it's a Confederate flag? I, was, I Googled it and showed her. I was like, this is a Confederate flag. Are you sure it's that? I like didn't believe her. And she was like, yeah, come on, let's go on the wall and look. So we looked at the wall and my immediate team came with me. And we looked at it, and I'm looking at this image of a guy who's skating with a Confederate flag on his T-shirt. And I remember I started to cry, and I wasn't expecting that at all. And this is after we had a meeting where, you know, our marketing team is telling us that we have to better target and service the urban consumer. And I use the biggest air quotes of my life here when they mean Black people. And I'm like, our highest design aspiration is a Confederate flag, yet you guys want us to speak to Black people. It broke me, to be honest, because I can't understand how this happened. Like, you know, like how, how did that happen? My my ancestors died because people chose to wave that flag. And that flag is a symbol of hatred. And it frustrated me so much that I just couldn't stop crying. And my team was like, yo, this is like so messed up. Like, you shouldn't be made to feel this way at work. And they were even flustered. For Julia, it wasn't just the image. She was also disturbed at the thought of how many other employees must have seen it and not said anything. These images went not only to the Portland team, but also to Germany. And they also like circulated around not just apparel, but footwear and marketing. A lot of hands had these images, right? And, you know, these were the final images, right? So I can only imagine the process of, you know, consolidating and dwindling down and getting really clear and making sure that these were the ones you wanted to show the team. Julia talked to her boss and to HR about the incident. She says she was promised an explanation about how a Confederate flag got into the design inspiration packet, but that explanation never came. Adidas declined to comment on Julia's story and declined to provide us with a racial breakdown of its staff. The same summer that Julia had the incident with the Confederate flag, another employee in a different part of the company was dealing with something similar. His name is Aaron Touré. 
I'm 30 years old, born and raised in Germany. I'm half black, openly queer. I've been working for the Adidas group for close to three years now. Aaron works for Reebok, a brand that Adidas owns. Last August, he went to an all-hands meeting in Reebok's Boston office with a group of top executives from Adidas. There was a Q&A, and one question had to do with the New York Times story about Adidas that had run a few weeks earlier. The story highlighted concerns from employees about a lack of diversity and its effect on the company's culture. Adidas' head of HR, Karen Parkin, took the question. Because she felt this was mostly an HR topic, Karen Parkin started to answer this question. And she said more or less that this is only noise that we do here, here in the U.S. I do not really believe that there's an issue. So let me get this straight. So there was a question about how the company was going to deal with and confront racism. Correct. And the head of human resources stood up at the company and said that racism was just noise in the United States. Yes, more or less, um, that's what she said. Correct. This sparked quite a lot of outrage um, at our headquarters. So the day after, there was a lot of meetings with the SLT, so the senior leadership team at our company, where we discussed what has happened. And a lot of employees, in a very emotional manner sometimes even, started to share their experience and how they felt. There were people crying because they have been with the company for a long time and they basically said that they felt very disappointed that even though our president and our SLT team was also present during that meeting, no one had said anything. And I want to reiterate also that while Karen may have been the person that answered the question, no one did really say anything to answer in a more suitable way. Well, how did you interpret those comments to mean, and how did it make you feel about the company? On that day, I lost a lot of trust. I think I lost a lot of trust in the leaders at Reebok that were also present. I lost a lot of trust in the board members, many of which I've actually met in person during my time in Germany. I lost a lot of trust in corporations as a whole. Adidas has said that it does not tolerate racism, But both Aaron and Julia felt like the company hadn't fully addressed their experiences. And they sat on that feeling for almost a year. Until they hit a tipping point. That's after the break. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back. The mood inside Adidas started to shift after the George Floyd protests began. Black employees were starting to share stories about traumatic experiences they'd had, and teams were having internal discussions about race and inclusion. In early June, Adidas gave all its employees a day off to reflect on what was going on. And Julia decided to use the time to do something she hadn't done before, speak out about the lack of diversity at Adidas and the way her complaint to HR was handled. I decided that I was going to write a letter and I was going to send it to my Portland leadership. And I thought, maybe they'll hear me, right? Maybe if I send a letter and express what's going on and why I feel so disconnected, they'll listen. And then I thought, and I had a very scary thought where I thought, man, I don't know if they will hear me, because if I think about the times I've done this and gone to the right people and spoken to them and tried to have a conversation, 
They're unfruitful because I'm not under the same reality as them. They want to cross out racism, right? So that's when I, I realized I had to release the letter for the public. So I thought, I was like, well, I was like, maybe it's time for them to see and to hear from Julia Bond, one person, one experience, so that maybe, just maybe, people won't be silent anymore and they'll get the courage to say what it is that they're experiencing. Julia sent the letter to employees and managers across Adidas and to the media, including the Wall Street Journal. After I sent it, I remember feeling like, oh man, I wish I could kind of take this back because I'm like, I now feel like I'm in deep water and I don't know what I just did. I was like, maybe I just want to hit undo. <laughs> like, I remember feeling really like alone for the longest time because, and I've had a lot of Black people at the brand come up to me and say, hey, I saw what you did in the press and I stand right behind you. I'm standing right behind you. And I remember feeling a little like awkward by them saying that because I'm like, why don't you stand next to me? Over in the Boston office, Aaron was moved to action by Julia's letter. He decided to stand next to her by writing a letter too. In it, he described the scene at the Boston meeting last August, where Adidas head of HR Karen Parkin had described racism in the U.S. as noise. I knew that if I ever wanted to look myself in the eyes again, like, I needed to stand next to her. I felt like for this young, talented woman to bring up so much strength that I did not find within myself in the last 10 months after that meeting happened, was inspirational to me because I felt like we, we are here. We have the strength. We have the voice. Aaron also sent his letter to the media. After the journal wrote about it and included details of what happened with Karen Parkin, it set off a bigger reaction inside the company. Dozens of employees started calling for Karen Parkin to apologize. Here's Khadija. So what happened is they have an internal social networking system, and she posted a message there on June 12th, and it's essentially said, I should have chosen a better word at the Reebok meeting, and she said that it was her responsibility to make clear the definitive stance against racism, and she acknowledged that she didn't do it, and she also said, should I have offended anyone, I apologize. That statement, should I have offended anyone, I apologize, that really triggered a lot of employees, and they felt that that was just not an apology. After reading the message, a group of 83 employees wrote a letter calling on the company to investigate whether Karen Parkin had taken the right approach to diversity and inclusion. The letter said that Adidas was not representative of the communities the company profited from, and that the company's leadership failed to understand the gravity of the situation. The letter also asked for a system to be able to report allegations of racism in a way that was private. And the employees who had signed it wanted the board to make sure that they didn't face any retaliation for raising these issues to the supervisory board. Adidas declined to comment on the specifics of what's happening inside the company. A spokeswoman told Khadija simply, quote, We strongly reject all statements made in the letter. But the company did say it, quote, welcomes the commitment of our people to stand against racism and that it is now focusing on, quote, creating real change immediately. Adidas also pledged $120 million to programs serving black and minority communities. And it said 30% of new U.S. hires over the next five years will be black and Latino people. 
So the company is marketing to certain communities and they need folks who understand those communities and can reflect different perspectives and come with those perspectives, whether it's in design or marketing. And in order to do that, they have to recruit employees that are talented and are willing to work at this company. And one of the challenges and something that I've heard is that when you're an employee and you are, even if you're starting in a mid-tier or lower-tier employee, if you don't see anyone that looks like you at the top of the company, you don't think that there is an upward trajectory for you at that company. So it's harder for you to recruit that talent and retain it. Julia says that's what she wanted to do by raising her voice. Try to make Adidas a better place. A lot of people were asking me, like, are you trying to burn the building down? Like, what are you doing? Like, this is super destructive and messy and ugh. And I'm like, it's not my intention to burn the building down. I would love to see this brand excel. And I see the potential it has. Can you imagine if the potential of a brand like that with that kind of reach, if they chose to do the right thing, right? How that would inspire the next generation, how that would, you know, allow more Black people to be drawn into the space. That's all for today, Wednesday, June 24th. Additional reporting in this episode by Jacob Gallagher. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.